Good morning, good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Impossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. So we have an amazing guest this morning for you all, of course. But before we get into that and introduce her, we must get the formalities out of the way. You know how we do every Saturday morning. So... Um, if this is your first time tuning into JQLM Radio and you would like to share with your family, friends, and followers, you can tell them they can either download the JQLM Radio app or they can get JQLM Radio through the TuneIn Radio app. Just search for JQLM Radio when you get there. Also through the Streama Simple Radio app. And they can listen live straight from our Facebook page. Just go to JQLM Radio on Facebook and you can click the Use App button right there as soon as you uh, reach the home page there. Also, you can tune in from our website at www.egoentertainmentnet.com slash JQLM with the dash in between those letters radio. All right. Or just at www.egoentertainmentnet.com. You can press play on the player right there on the home page. Also, if you miss any of the episodes live, you can catch them on any of the major podcast platforms that includes Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podcast Addict, Deezer, CastBox, iTunes, and the list goes on. All of your major podcast platforms. Also, remember to follow, like, and share on social media, <clears throat> JQLM Radio on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JQLM Radio and Ego Entertainment Network at EgoEntNet. That's E-G-O-E-N-T. N-E-T. All right. And now that we have that of the that out of the way, our guest this morning is none other than Amy Bovaird. Welcome to the show, Amy. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, no problem. Glad to have you. So before we get into your story of overcoming the impossible, can you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and what you like to do in your spare time? Okay. So I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania, right outside of Erie. Uh, I grew up as the third of four children. My dad was a working class guy. He had his own business, a tree removal business, which is kind of um, not so unusual here, and uh, well, he's been a bit of an entrepreneur too, <laughs> mm-hmm. as he had a um, he had a limousine business as well. So, and uh, so anyway, I I was kind of quiet growing up. I liked to write stories and poems and stuff, and I uh, I loved languages. So. Probably in my third year of college, I discovered this linguistics class, mm-hmm. and I was just—it was really wonderful. So I coupled that with—I went on a missionary trip, and I thought, "This is what I'm going to do." I, it was a, there was a new major coming out called teaching English as a foreign language, and I thought, "I'm going to do that. I'm going to go overseas and uh, learn about culture, study languages, and teach English." And work with the church. So I had all of these wonderful uh, goals in my mind. And uh, when I graduated from college, way back in 1982, I uh, I couldn't find a job. <laughs> I couldn't find mm-hmm. a job right away in Pennsylvania because we didn't have that that kind of uh, focus. Okay. Uh, so I worked at a plastic. Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And they, I went on a, uh, a campaign, and I found I met a, a family. They told me about a school in, in uh, South America mm-hmm. where I could teach and support and work with the church. So I, I did that. So I worked there two years. That was the beginning of my overseas journey of teaching. And teaching English is, I don't know that I was that wonderful at it, but it was like the gateway to my dream, mm-hmm. to my goal. And so I, I lived there, worked with the church. There were like five families. I was the only single, quote-unquote, missionary. Although really, as I said, my, my goal was to understand uh, what it's like, learn Spanish. Uh, I already knew Spanish, but I, I learned it in a different capacity, traveling. So I guess I, I was a little bit, I was doing both. Then I finished that contract, and I went on, and I got a contract in Costa Rica, which is the Central America. When I was there, I traveled to uh, Ecuador. And it was kind of the first time I really noticed differences in in me, between me and, and other people. Mm-hmm. I was in the jungle, the interior jungle, and the people that I was with, it was a small group of five people. Um, I had, I noticed that I was having a lot more trouble in the jungle as they were, getting around. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was like I kept tripping and, and uh, I couldn't see the things that they were seeing. And I thought, gosh, I, I really need to get stronger glasses. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I had planned to get a job a job in Guatemala. I didn't have a I didn't have a contract, but I got a one way ticket. When I uh, when I I stopped in Costa Rica to say goodbye to uh, a missionary friend before I went on to Guatemala, and she knew somebody that was looking to teach in Indonesia. I thought, ah, that's a job. That's that's something that is concrete. So mm-hmm. I, I accepted that, you know, I, I contacted her and I accepted the position. And uh, and I, when I came back, I said, I came back to the States first. I said, I need to get stronger glasses. So I went to the, we have like a, an ophthalmologist, which is kind of strange because we live in a small town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we did. And I feel it's almost as if I'm night blind. Although it was during the day, it was, all this stuff was happening. And so that was kind of a, a tip-off to him. So he recommended that I have uh, more testing done. So my mom and I went into uh, into Erie, which is about a half an hour away, and we saw a specialist, a retinal specialist. And I'm thinking Indonesia, Indonesia. That's all in my. That's all I have in my mind. So I wasn't really concerned about it as mm-hmm. much as thinking that I need to put pack this and this and this. I had it like maybe three weeks, and I would I would be leaving. Oh, maybe a month. I can somewhere around there. Right. And uh, so then after I, like two days of testing, uh, he sat me down and his, he had an assistant and she held my hand. And they said, you have this rare incurable um, eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And he says, I said, well, what, what does that mean? And he said, well, basically the, you're, you're, this is affecting your retina. And uh, and he says that you're you're losing your sight. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was like this. It, I felt kind of like it was a soap opera kind of thing. Like she's holding my hand and mm-hmm. she's telling me that I'm, I'm going to lose my sight. And here I have three three years behind me and my and my you know all of my 
passion of, of living and traveling and, and I had this job set up in Indonesia, halfway across the world. I was just my, it was like, it was like life was my oyster or something, you know, it's just, everything was going so wonderful, right. wonderfully. So it was pretty shocking. <laughs> mm-hmm. So tell me, tell me how did in that moment when they told you that you were losing your sight and you were going blind, how did, what was your first thought? How did it make you feel? This can't be true. They have, they have to have the wrong, the wrong chart or something, you know? (laughs) Okay. And how long after that, or I, I should say, what were the emotions that you went through like in the days and weeks? following that and how did you navigate through that yeah I was I was I guess I was going I was in like shock so I went home I wouldn't even tell my mother what I had what the doctor said I I it was like telling it would make it true you know mm-hmm. and so I I didn't tell her until right before we got home and she kept on asking me asking and then I just went to my room and I I was trying to figure this out and it was I would I told everybody like I called on my my close friends and I told them and it's kind of a weird position to put people in because what do you say when someone says they're going blind mm-hmm. the, the doctor didn't know what happened because it's different with everybody and so I didn't know if I was going to wake up blind mm-hmm. and I can't see anything or if it was going to be you know down the road as he said it could be or I didn't, yeah, I was just so confused. And then when I ran out of people to tell, <laughs> that's when I started praying about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, I read, I was just kind of just looking, reading through the Bible. And I, this uh, story about Abraham, at that time he was Abram, jumped out at me. Mm-hmm. And God told me to go, he would take, um, he was to go to a place that God would show him. And he would take care of him and make him the father of many nations. Right. So I thought, I don't know. He could do the same to me, with me. I mean, I, I, if I go blind, I'm gonna, it's going to be somewhere. So I decided to go ahead with my plans. And, and I think I gave my mom a heart attack. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I, I went through with my contract. And I, I, uh, I guess probably, yeah, it was... Three weeks later, that I actually started started teaching there. I mean, I I left for um, Indonesia, Jakarta. Okay, so tell me, what did you have to do, or um, what tools and resources did you have at your disposal to help you be able to navigate with over there, you know, by yourself and teaching and things of that sort. Um, yeah. While you were, you know, um, having this um, issue where you were going blind. Yeah. Well, at that time, it, you know, um, it was, I didn't feel any different than before than when I went, than when the doctor told me. I mean, I, I, I it didn't, like, there wasn't any sudden change or anything. So I just kind of went on. And I remember when I, the first day I went through, so I had, uh, I, they were like, uh, my boss took me up the steps and, to the where we worked, there were 18 steps. The last step, I tripped uh, going up that step, and I, I fell down all 18 steps. And I said, "Oh, is this the day I go blind?" You know, I didn't. I was like, mm-hmm. like I had no idea what to expect. So uh, it was quite embarrassing too. And 
but it was okay. I just got bruised. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess after that, I, I, uh, I had some weird thing, you know, like I, I, uh, I, I, I had a, um, a, a houseboy who kind of helped uh, do our shopping and he helped in different things. Anyway, when uh, I had like strange things happening where once I, uh, there was a kind of a cliff and I almost fell off the cliff mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was walking and he stopped me. Uh, he happened to see me. We were both out in that area. And he said, see me, see me, there's a a drop-off. And uh, there was another aspect where I went to a, I was traveling with one of my colleagues, and we were in western Sumatra, another island. Mm -hmm. We went exploring in a cave. And uh, I guess around this time, I was around 25, 26 years old. And there were probably eight of us in that, going up to the cave. And I remember, like, it's so dark. I just couldn't see where I was going. And this guy said, what are you, my grandmother? Like, yeah, I was walking so slowly. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh, this is so strange. And I didn't tell anyone because, I don't know, I didn't want, I didn't, it just felt so melodramatic. So I just didn't say anything. So uh, I guess I didn't change my life at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of took each thing as it came. Okay. So would you say that um, during this transition and uh, of, you know, um, being able to see into going blind, were you in denial about going blind and or and or felt ashamed and did not, you know, want to tell people so, you know, to reach out for help and things of that sort? Or um, would is that what you would say that you were? the emotions that you were going through? Well, I was, I think I was ashamed. That's what I think I felt in the beginning, embarrassed and ashamed. I didn't want anything to change. Like if if they knew that I was losing my sight, then I would, maybe they would send me home or, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I, I, so I, I think in the beginning that was kind of, uh, it was like, I was afraid to change. It would change my life. Right. Right. As it got, as I got, as I continued on, I think I went into denial and it didn't happen right away. So, because I continue to teach overseas and in different capacities, I, uh, I, I worked through, I, I went back after that year and I worked through Lachlan Air Force Base. I got a job at, um, it's called um, English Language Center. Um, uh, gosh, I can't even think of it now. Um, uh, Defense Language Institute, English Language, Language Center. And so I got to send overseas in, um, in different capacities to set up language labs and stuff. And I didn't tell anyone there because I was afraid that it would stop. It would stop me from living my, living out my goals. So I guess I kind of went into denial when it didn't happen, when I, when I could still see enough to get around. For me, it was a really gradual loss and, Mm -hmm. uh, it's progressive. So it's, you don't really know what you're losing until you lose it. Right, right. So what it is is, uh, it's like your your visual field narrows to tunnel vision, mm-hmm. and and so it's almost like, well, kind of like looking through a straw. The 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 top, the, all the peripheral part gradually uh, decreases and decreases and decreases. So your acuity when you're moving around, that's how it most affected me. Um, you know, you might run into something high or 
you might not see a step below. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds of things, ways that it impacted me. I couldn't drive because maybe um, I wouldn't see something, a car right. pull out or something. That's how it affected me. Right. Okay. So um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to uh, talk about how um, Amy came into the acceptance of this condition and how you overcame that. And then we're going to talk about um, dealing with the the next hurdle in your life, dealing with um, pregnancy loss. So stick and stay. We'll be right back. You are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network.
Have you subscribed yet to our free online digital interactive magazine, The Ego Magazine? No? Well, head on over to www.egoentertainmentnet.com and subscribe now. This magazine is all about showcasing and supporting excellence in communities everywhere from music, arts and culture, relationships, finance, education, politics, sports, news, and so much more. While you're flipping through the pages, just click on the tents on the pictures that you see and you'll be taken to a whole nother world behind the articles. At Ego Entertainment, everyone is a star. There is something in it for everyone, and I hope you are positively impacted by what you see and will continue to support. This is your girl, Lady J, owner and operator of Ego Entertainment and creator of the Ego Magazine. Enjoy. Hey, this is your boy, Brian White, and you have tuned in to JQLM Radio. All right, and we are back. For those just tuning in, you are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And during the break, we've lost our guests, but no worries. Let's get her back on the line um, so we can continue the conversation. Welcome back to the show, Amy. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. So we have our, we have our guests back. That happens sometimes. No worries. (laughs) So um, before the break, for those of you who are tuning in, Amy was sharing her story of being uh, diagnosed with a rare eye condition that caused her to start to lose her sight and go blind. What happens is um, your peripheral vision starts to narrow and narrow and narrow and narrow until there is no more. So um, she was saying how she was ashamed uh, to tell people. She just, you know, pretended that, you know, that things were okay. She didn't want anything to change. Um, And then she talked about not being able to drive and and things of that sort. So um, we have about um, 27 minutes left in the show. So let's talk about really briefly, um, when did you come into the realization that you had to accept this and how were you able to accept it and move on? So before it was, uh, before I could accept it, it had to come to, to it. When I came home from uh, living overseas, I had married an Egyptian at that time and I was living in the United Arab Emirates. So I, my father was diagnosed in 2006 with cancer. So I came home uh, then and I decided to move home. He passed away when he passed away. Mm-hmm. I And I, I, I was going to write. I thought I would make a career of writing. And so I didn't work. I didn't teach for a couple of years. And then my writing career, that time wasn't standing out, wasn't, wasn't working out. So I, in, after those two years, or maybe during those two years, I 
kind of like it was like I walked off a cliff. No matter where I went, I ran into things. I tripped over things. I, I you know, and, and so I said, I well, this isn't working out. I'm not, I'm not making, you know, I'm not making much money um, writing. So I need to go back to the teaching field. So I went, I got two jobs in my hometown. And uh, I started to get worried uh, before I started as I was leading up to that month where I start that people would think I was drunk because it was <laughs> I was running into things and it was just really bad. Mm-hmm. So I went to a doctor and he recommended I use a white cane. And I said, I'm not blind. I, have, I guess we all have, have um, we have preconceptions of what blindness is or what anything is. We, we set up these preconceptions. And I guess when my teaching, when I would trip over students' books, or I, I, um, I had also some problems with my hearing. So I, I, born, I was teaching uh, Spanish at that time and teaching at a university. So I was having trouble hearing my students, reading all kinds of things. Anyway, I, the long story short, I uh, met this completely blind mobility, uh, orientation and mobility instructor. And I think over the course of that year, working with him and a counselor, I, little by little, came to terms with it. It was like, I mean, all of these, I would have to, to go um, blindfolded and go into the heart of Erie, which I wasn't familiar with, it was a very busy street, and navigate with this white cane. And I think it kind of reminded me of living overseas. Like I, it was a challenge mm-hmm. and I had to, to learn the culture of it. And I had to learn the quote unquote language of, of, uh, of, of blindness, of, 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 of what, what it's like, how, to, you know, and so all of these things, I think they piqued my curiosity mm-hmm. and the, my, my, um, it was really my mobility instructor that, that helped me, help ease my, my way into it because he was so outgoing and cheerful and you know it was it was just like that's the way life is right and so that yeah it changed my life mm-hmm. okay so um so after you know having this mobility instructor and, and you know getting back into teaching and things of that sort and regaining your confidence um let's talk about how uh, you came into experiencing um, now the loss of a child. Oh, okay. So yeah, that um, I was pregnant with twins uh, in 1997, and um, I like at the five month checkup, we found out that I had lost my first twin, and then I after a weekend. Well, I'm sorry, I did you say, how, how many months did you say you were? Five months. Five months, okay. Yeah, five months along. And we and we had thought that because we had spent five years to be together, my husband and I. And so we had, you know, we, we just thought this was a wonderful, and neither of us had twins in our family, so it was pretty exciting. And I didn't even know I wanted to be a mom until, like, that moment, you know, mm-hmm. until I found out I was pregnant. And so, but after a weekend, I was I, I wasn't feeling well, and it, and I think I wasn't feeling well my entire pregnancy, but I just didn't realize it because I had a lot of energy. I usually had a, a lot of energy, and um, it, 
we found out that they kept taking my blood pressure. And the thing is that they, they hospitalized me. They said that I had something called preeclampsia, yes. and, mm-hmm. uh, which is toxemia, mm-hmm. the, the baby itself. Like it's a poison to the mom and, right. and to the baby, mm-hmm. and so I, uh, I, um, I was hospitalized, and there are three conditions that uh, three symptoms of this condition. One is your blood pressure elevates. The other one, you have a, a protein in your uh, urine, and which means that your kidneys are not working properly, and then you have uh, edema or swelling. Of, of your body parts. So I had all three of these to the extreme. So I went from moderate to severe uh, preeclampsia in two days. So they were they were, thought that I would have I would have to have dialysis. So uh, I was at the government uh, I was at the American hospital there, and they transferred me to a government hospital which had a dialysis machine. So I was in that hospital for six weeks, and. Uh, in the end, it, 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 I had the baby, the, the second baby. I had her in the 26th week, and uh, she was at the same time. I was having complications. She was having complications. She was born early, so uh, I, I didn't really get to to see her. And uh, they whisked her to a, a special baby care unit, and, and I did see her once, but uh, she she didn't make it. She after eight days, she passed away. So. Uh, that, and of course, my husband—he's he was Muslim. I was Christian. We faced it differently, and um, I think it—it it, was—it made a, a rift between us. We mm-hmm. tried again, but I had another miscarriage, and and so I—I I think that uh, that was really hard to for me to cope with being overseas, away from my family. Um, and away from and and and, and having uh, challenges in my marriage as well. It, it in the end, it, our marriage ended up being divorced, but um, but we remained friends. So and uh, so anyway, that that's what happened with me with the with, with and this is um, National Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. October is so <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Okay, so um, so yeah, preeclampsia is actually very common among African American women. Um, I, I have uh, experienced that. My, you know, I have sisters who have experienced that. A lot of people have experienced that. So, um, thank you so much for uh, you know um, talking about that. I know that's a difficult, um, a difficult situation, a different, a difficult thing to um, discuss, um, and. <clears throat> So in going through that, um, I know that losing a child, uh, you know, I know that it's like unfathomable for anybody. And so, um, you know, and at the same time, you know, going through divorce um, because of that being one of the things, you know, that just is another stressor on a relationship. Um, Real quick, Mm -hmm. can you um, share what things did you have to um, do or what resources did you um, obtain in order to help you overcome that? Like I'm, I'm sure that depression came about, you know, with that and, and a lot of other things. So um, can you share with listeners, someone who may be 
going through that? What What are some of the things that you did to help you through that? Well, one was my faith, you know, because I had lot because I was losing so much of my vision. So it was like God kind of helped me stay together through both of those losses. And I have I at that you know as I went on, I, I, God always placed people in my life to encourage me, and I kept I I, I kept a newsletter. So writing about it helped me. Uh, so I you know I would. Uh, I actually kept the, the journal all the way through, and the the, the whole uh, six weeks and and after I was off work and and I had to have bed rest. I had some complications, so yeah, I think that really coming to loss in terms of that loss wasn't until later when I was back home with my family and uh, I kind of uh, I was kind of going through a, a quote unquote separation. We it was to get healthy, that's what it, it, we, we called it, but it mm-hmm. was kind of a self And my family was just so um, normal. <laughs> it was like I, I could, I didn't have to worry about teaching, I didn't have to worry about, you know, and I worked outside with my father um, with the tree business, and I just, everything worked. My sister uh, encouraged me in lots of different ways, and being around family was really good. And then I I wrote about it in a book that also helped me to come to terms with it, you know. Awesome. So we're going to take our last break for the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, Amy's books and we're going to talk about um, the... uh, the movement for the month uh, for... um, pregnancy loss and things of that sort. So stick and stay. We'll be right back. And you are tuned in to the I'm Possible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network.
And you think another tin in your glove compartment But that family with no food Would trade places with you Give thanks and don't forget how you got it And you gon' be okay Can I get a witness? You gon' be okay Are there areas in your life that need healing? Consider Empower Living Inc. We are a therapeutic practice that meets the clients where they are. Call us at 317-969-5694 or visit us at www.empoweredlivinginc.net to see a list of the services we offer. Empowered, Empowered Living Inc., a holistic approach to a better you. This is Patty Spittler, and you're tuned in to JQLM Radio. All right, and we are back. You are tuned in to the Impossible Radio Show with your girl, Lady J, right here on JQLM Radio, a division of Ego Entertainment Network. And I'm sure that you all heard right before the break, Lady J stumbled a little bit. So you all continue to bear with me as um, I work through uh, therapy in my um, regaining a lot of my speech and cognitive skills um, as I continue to recover from this ruptured brain aneurysm. So uh, I want to thank you to all of my listeners for being patient. Um, since I have been back on air, it's gotten a lot better, but not quite there yet. So um, before the break, we were talking with Amy and she was sharing with us her loss of um, pregnancy, you know, um, at five months with her twins and, and, you know, sharing that she had another miscarriage and, uh, October is, um, loss of pregnancy awareness month as well. So, um, I'm going to, um, allow her to talk a little bit about that because, um, that is something that she advocates for. So Amy, um, if you could please enlighten us on what, this awareness is all about. Yes. Well, in 1988, President um, Ronald Reagan, he, he declared it was National uh, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Month, Awareness Month. And he said that, you know, there's a name for uh, when, when we lose a spouse, we have, like, we have a widow or we are a widower, but we don't have a name for when we lose, uh, lose a baby. So he wanted to draw attention to that, to all the, whether, for whatever reason, that there is loss. And there is, uh, October 15th is, uh, is a special day where they light candles and, and aware, and remember, it's called Baby Remembrance Day. Mm-hmm. And people light candles on this day. But what's interesting for me is that, so this is a, a, a time to draw, um, I don't know, just to to share and to draw awareness to, but it's also um, International Blindness Awareness Month, which and I am an advocate 
for for blind individuals. So uh, so that's quite interesting to me. And October fifteenth is White Cane Day, and I use a white cane. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they both come at the time, which uh, which is really kind of fascinating that uh, that the whole well that both of them come at the same time. We have World Sight Day and all kinds of things under the umbrella of International Blindness Awareness Month. So I'm an advocate for both. For, for anyone going through loss, uh, it, that, that, you know, any kind of sight loss or baby loss. <laughs> Over the years, I have become quite um, vocal about it. Yeah. Okay. And so is there anything special that you do on the 15th? Well, I, um, I do light a candle. And um, I, I light two candles for three, really, sometimes. I guess I do three um, for my three babies. But um, I also I also go and uh, um, with the Lions Club, we have something for White Cane Day. So I do both. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. so um, you're also an author. And can you yeah. talk a little bit about um, the title of your books and just tell us what they're about? Okay. So, yes, the first book I wrote is called Mobility Matters, Stepping Out in Faith. And it's where my faith walk meets my physical walk. I had, you know, I had no idea that as I, as I learned to use a white cane, that God was going to, um, like, he was going to, take care of me as I, you know, as I walked, as I continued on in this journey. And uh, so I kept trying to write about my time overseas. And what happened was God focused me on this book. On It was the journey of that year's journey was so big uh, in my mind. So that's what came out. The first book is Mobility Matters, Stepping Out in Faith. And it's the, it's coming to terms with my sight loss and not, and not being afraid to share it. That's what is the result of it, and of, of writing this book. So it's to encourage people to use a white cane and not to, uh, and to be to be confident because our confidence comes through God. It, and so uh, it's, there's a lot of different kinds of, of fears that come with using a white cane, and that you're losing your independence, that people think you can't do things. So you have to work through a lot psychologically, emotionally, and also people's perceptions. Right. And the second book is Kane Confessions, The Lighter Side to Mobility. So I became confident, and I, I remember back to when I lived overseas and how I kept adapting so I could continue with my goals of teaching overseas. So that one is a bit more lighthearted and to, uh, with and before and after my cane. And, um, and so it's about... It's, it's to, the goal is to encourage other people to pursue their their dreams, no matter what what the obstacle is that you can overcome it. And so it's quite quite uh, humorous in parts, and very very truthful, very uh, transparent. The third book is uh, Seeking Solace, uh, Finding Joy After Loss, and this is about my twins. And I really was inspired by. Uh, my mother, because when my mother passed away, I, I, I just fell apart. And it was remembering what God did with the, my twins that made this, uh, um, made me, like, it was a reassurance to myself. It's a devotional book, uh, a memoir devotional book. And, 
has 45 devotionals dealing with loss, my father's loss, my the loss of my marriage, the loss of my twins. And then mm-hmm. I have just a, a shorter book, which is called Hit, um, Hitting a Home Run, Blind and Thriving, and it's talking about my diagnosis, how I responded to it, and my uh, my decision to continue with my uh, pursue my goals overseas. And so, and then the last book is called A Time to Dance, uh, Finding Joy After uh, After Baby Loss. And this is what God did. It, it is the one Valentine's Day when I, w- I didn't even realize that I, I was, like, not belonging, not feeling like I belonged. In, and uh, I, bab- I ended up babysitting my niece, and the whole evening was, like, God's gift to me. It's a really interesting and short, just lovely book, you know. So... Okay. Uh, these are the books I have, which have helped me to cope and also just open the door to so many other losses that so many other people have experienced themselves. So it's really been a good a good tool, dialogue, tool to dialogue with people. Okay, awesome. So can you tell everyone where they can find your books and how they can purchase? Yes. Uh, well, I have a website. It's amybovaird.com, just like my name. A-M-Y-B-O-V as in Victor, A-I-R-D.com. And um, I'm also on Amazon. Uh, I'm on, um, uh, my books are are in regular print, large print. They're in audio, so I'm on um, audible.com. They're on Amazon, available through audio. And iTunes. And um, I guess they can be available in Braille, but not many people ask about that. Okay. I'm And Mm -hmm. there is something that I saw um, on your website and in your media kit that um, I thought was really um, unique and different, which is you give tips for visually impaired individuals as well. So um, you talk about um, slowing down and um, using uh, consistent, you know, and strong lighting, being honest. Um, so can you tell me what moved you to add those to your, to your site and to your kit um, for those who are visually impaired? Yeah, because I learned so much from different people that I talked to. I wanted to share that. The first thing was don't slow down. I'm so fast. I move, I, I'm just, I have a lot of energy. So I move fast, and when I do that, I miss things, I miss steps, I uh, turn around and walk into the wall. So slowing down, I always try to, <laughs> to get that in there, that, that it's really important. And, uh, and, yeah, and the lighting, I ha- you always want more light. <laughs> As you're losing your vision, it's like you're, it's, you're chasing the light, you know. So uh, I do have, I, and then I have just for um, loved ones, friends and loved ones of those with vision loss because sometimes we can't articulate what we need and so it talks about communication having open communication don't move things around because then we don't know where they are <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're always searching anyway but yeah so like don't move the furniture keep the doors closed so that we don't run into them yeah, those kinds of things yeah All right okay so um are you on social media for those I am. listening. Okay, yeah. can you um, go ahead and let us know how we can follow you? Yes, you can follow me by Amy Robert's author page, my author page. And 
um, I'm on Twitter. I'm at author Abel Baird. I'm on Pinterest as Abel Baird or Abel Baird, I think. And uh, oh, it's quite. Yeah, I have a personal page, Abel Baird, as well. So there's a lot of ways to to reach me. Uh, the, probably the biggest way is through my website. I have a contact. People can just message me, and uh, and my books are available there. I have a bookshop. So uh, so any of those ways, my uh, I have my my email is author at gmail.com. <laughs> so, so yeah, lots of different ways to reach me, and follow, yeah, follow me on uh, Twitter and on my author Facebook page. Okay, awesome. So um, we're down to the last few minutes of the show. If you could say anything to someone listening that is trying to overcome the loss of a child, um, what would that be? Talk about it. You know, we treat we try to keep these things secret. We don't have enough dialogue. We, we, we think we have to suffer in silence, and we don't. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not something that we did. It, it's some, even, you know, it doesn't matter how you lost a child, it, even an abortion. You know, it doesn't matter. It's the, what, what matters is that we, we, we own it, we talk about it, and we move on, you know, and we move forward. We connect. So there isn't any reason to be, be quiet about it, to, to struggle and to uh, keep this to yourself. I saw, that's what I have learned uh, in, in, in both of my journeys it was my sight loss and that. To just share, share your story, share, share. Lots of people will may have gone through this, and you can help each other. You know. Yes. Awesome. And last but not least, if you could say anything to someone that is going through um, sight loss and is feeling ashamed, you know, and um, don't want to admit to themselves and to others that this is something that is happening, what would you say to them? I would say that, that to start to start to talk to somebody, to talk to a trusted person and share your feelings and a, a, a vision, I call it a vision counselor. She's it's probably just a counselor, you know, but <laughs> tell you the different things that you can do to regain your independence. It's not a way you have, to, it's not like you have to stay in that valley, you know, with that, uh, with coping physically, emotionally. Talk, and it, the, the cane, having a white cane actually gives you back your independence, you know. And so I would have them talk to, first talk to somebody and, uh, and get, advice or share their their feelings and thoughts about it and you know just don't keep it inside again it's not you know we we, we just do that we don't we let the shame get out get, get the best of us <laughs> right and i don't know why shame it's a visible thing you know right right well amy thank you so much for being my guest this morning you did a great job um and I want to thank you for being so transparent 
with telling your story um, and how you overcome what seemed to be impossible and coming into the understanding that you are still possible and everything that God has for your life was still um, within your reach. So I want to thank you so much for that. Yeah, my pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, And so for all of our listeners, um, before we uh, close the show out, I want to um, remind you all that we are just coming out of um, Suicide Awareness Month of September. Um, And so please, please, please remember to go to www.isurvivedsuicidemovement.com. That is www.isurvivedsuicidemovement.com because even though they take a month out to um, shed awareness on this subject, this is something that is uh, an epidemic across the nation every day, especially now since that we are in a pandemic. So we definitely want to um, have you all join the movement, share your stories, um, uh, you know, get connected to resources and help and and things of that sort. Also, um, while you're there, you can purchase the I Survived Suicide book um, by myself and a a group of other um, individuals who shared their stories of of surviving attempted suicide um, and how you can and give tips on how you can work through or help others close to you, your loved ones, family and friends work through suicidal ideation. Um, so we want to um, continue, you know, this movement and have um, many people um, join. Thank you to those of you who have already joined and are wanting to tell your stories and also be a part of the um, book two of the uh, suicide um, movement uh, book, the I Survive Suicide Movement book. So if you go to the website there, you can purchase the book straight from there. You can also join the movement there and you will be able to participate in the online community, the blog and things of that sort to share your stories, read other people's stories, connect with resources and things like that. Also, Um, There will be an event coming up um, in the coming weeks um, about um, the uh, suicide, overcoming suicide and suicidal ideation. So um, understand that this movement is not just for those who have overcome suicide. It's also for those who are currently battling suicidal ideation, those who have lost loved ones to suicide um, and those who advocate for it. Um, Also, Remember um, to tune in every day to JQLM Radio 24-7 for great music and some of your favorite shows are here on air. So um, remember that you can listen to any of the episodes on any of the major podcast platforms if you miss out on them. So I want to thank you all for tuning in to the Impossible Radio show this morning. And before I close out, as I always say... After all of the hell you went through, the word through is an indication that you defeated the impossible too. New adversities will come, but overcoming them has already made you unstoppable. The favor over your life incomparable, which gives you the right to think and believe I'm possible. This is your girl, Lady J, and I'm out.